eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we will try to come stronger with it on this show than the Longhorns did their last time on the field. Well, you talk about polar opposite performances to start a season. It doesn't get much more polar opposite than what we saw the first two games. A nice 20-point win over Louisiana, and then a failure, a systematic failure in every way, shape, and form we saw unfold in Fayetteville. At least some of y'all had the option to turn the TV off. (laughs) I had to sit there and watch the whole thing. We'll break it down. 40-21, Texas loses to Arkansas. Uh, Trust me, folks, any of you who've listened to this show for a long time know we're not going to do a whole lot of rice prep on this show. It's going to be big picture and talking about what the heck happened and where the Longhorns go from here. And to do that, I'm going to bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Hey, I want to give a special shout-out to Matt. Matt makes everything happen behind the scenes, making True sure that. our podcast gets cut up, edited, yep. loaded. Uh, so whenever you get your podcast, we get this podcast. You can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24-7. Click that follow button. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. All the editing, all the sounds you hear, it's all Matt Butler. So, Matt, thank you for your hard work. Our numbers are are great the support for the blitz keeps increasing and do not take matt's contributions to this show lightly well thank Amen you and thanks for doing the show with me it's the, a good times the real mvp uh another man who uh nobody should take his contributions lightly whether it's here or uh, on the horn on rbkd each and every weekday from three to seven he is our lockdown corner here on longhorn blitz lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semifinalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the new york giants back in 2003 spent his nfl career with giants lions bears bucks broncos and a year with the hamilton tiger 
Bearcats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro as always, brother. It was fantastic. Rod, you've been a part of some of these games as a player. Yeah, I got my butt whipped. And Trust me, I, I've been on. A, let me start start off before we even get into the game. Well, yeah, it, yes, it I did. We all remember Texas OU. Beyond your time at Texas, you played for the Detroit Lions. I got so. played for the Lions, so yeah. I've got some old testament. Yeah, I've been Matt, on the not not the uh, not the yeah. competitive Jared Goff lines or the Matthew Stafford lines. You played for the Matt Millen, Dick I mean, Mariucci, lines. Mooch. So. Yeah. Mooch, baby. My oh. man Mooch. Yeah, so I've been on the uh, the business end of a couple of Old Testament-style butt whippings. Back when they were drafting uh, <laughs> receivers like I buy underwear. Just, yeah, so yeah, the whole point of it. a, hopefully this becomes a rallying cry. When you get, and I don't know how many people have actually gotten their butts whipped in a fight, like a real fight. Football is, a, my man Casey Studdard always says, a 60-minute fight. Texas was not ready for that. Arkansas no. was ready for the fight. Um, hopefully it's a rallying cry. When, Tex- when Texas lost to OU in 2000, embarrassing fashion, they, go- they went on to win the national title. But it, it motivated us uh, as a team that we'll never put something like that on film again and yep. uh, representing the name on the front and the name on the back that we would never do that again. So it's still something that, just so long as fans know, I still hold that shame. <laughs> that's that shame is still a burden to me. Yeah. You know, I didn't I don't forget about it. I feel bad about it. I'm disgusted by it and ashamed of it. And you should be, because you should know what it the program, what the standard of the program is and what the expectations are. Um, and that is not the standard. To that point, Rod, <laughs> it's uh it's not uncommon for first year Texas head coaches, like I said, everyone since Fred Akers has failed to get off to better than a 1-2 and two start. Everybody yeah, started 1-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Sark is 1-1 one one right now. By the way, everybody that told me, oh, Jeff, that's a useless stat, it, it doesn't matter. Well, now I think it freaking matters. Continues to play out. It's not, it's <laughs> it not an easy process for a first-year head coach. Yeah. <laughs> if Texas starts 1-2, and two, though, then we got some real well, then yeah, Well, then we're having an entirely <laughs> different conversation sitting here next week. It, <laughs> honestly, that, that is a, that is a, that's a tarmac. That is a fire somebody on a tarmac moment yeah, if you sorry. lose to Rice. Sorry. And I'll be like, after the first year? Yeah. After the first year, yeah, if you lose to Rice, I am on board that you fire Steve Sarkeesian. That, he's not going to lose to Rice, and we're not saying that. I'm just saying. Yeah, that we all are smiling. Clay Helton calls him, he's like, I feel your pain, buddy. <laughs> right? yeah. If that happens, bro, I think we all got to go, okay, we messed right, up. We, yeah. made, we made the wrong choice but, by that. So I, I just I just, I just, just yeah, did some numbers. So each, It won't happen. Each Texas head coach, each first-year Texas head coach since Fred Akers, they've all suffered an embarrassing non-conference loss to open their tenure. Mm-hmm. For David McWilliams in 87, they lost 31-3 to Auburn. John Makovic in 92, they lost 28-10 to Mississippi State and Jackie Sherrill. And that was another one. Jackie Sherrill knew about, from obviously from his time at A&M, knew what playing Texas was all about. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State was ready for that game. Texas was not. Mack took that 98 team with Ricky Williams to the Rose Bowl, and they made it cosmetically better, but it still ended up losing 49-31 to UCLA. Charlie we all remember BYU and Taysom Hill treating mm. Dylan Haynes like a high hurdle in the Olympics. Yes, we do. We all remember that. Uh, and then Tom Herman, yeah, the Maryland loss was only a 10-point loss, but we know, look, you got a garbage-time touchdown from Shane Bouchard to Colin Johnson to make that thing look a little bit better. But it was a butt-kicking butt for the vast Considering the level of the competition, I mean, that wasn't even a bowl team. 
Yeah. That was a bad Maryland team. They didn't even make a bowl. It was like a four-win Maryland <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, well, By the way, they had a court, didn't they have a quarterback injury. Was that that year or the next year? What was a quarterback injury? That was the first that year. Was that was after that, us. No. Tyrell Pickard. No, they had, got, they had a quarterback injured in that game. Yeah, in that, versus yeah. Texas. They I had just a, remembered him going off in my mind. Yeah. Too. It was and then he was done for the year. Yeah, the storyline was just, oh, Pickard, that's really Pickard bad. got hurt, I think, in the third quarter. And then Kasim Hill, who finished the game, got hurt like the next week. Yeah, he but he yeah he's continued. We thought, oh, yeah, backup quarterback coming in. Like, no, that guy was killing Texas, too. It was it was bad. Pigram's on Ole Miss now. He's still around. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Tyro Pigram still has eligibility? Yeah, I guess he had some a lot of injury issues at the Man. end of that year. Good and another one. Man. But, Somebody milk you know, whenever you brought it up, Rod, <laughs> that just— Justin McLemore plan. <laughs> exactly. Texas has all of those type of guys, too. But when you brought up, you know, that loss you had in your career and how much it affected you long-term and you still think about it now, it sort of reminded me of the thing that Sart kept talking about with the team. And he's like, you know, everybody wants to win, but we don't want a team that wants to win. We want a team— and to quote him, to that lose. hates to lose yeah. more than we want to win. And that once you lose, then that process that you begin because you don't want to have that feeling again, which anybody that's made mistakes or working in any field can sort of also relate to, Agreed. that then you get to the point that you get buy into that process, understanding the hurt, because it is so much worse than, say, the satisfaction to where almost that winning is your expectations or doing well is your expectations. You aren't that high when you win, but you're so low when you lose, and that's a little psycho effect that it, you don't really I, pay attention to. I, I don't. I think that is a dark hole to go down, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. Because Mac admitted that, right? Mac admitted toward the end here at Texas – there was no joy in winning. Yeah. Right? All it was just pain and losing. Because I it heard Saban when he and, said that. Yeah, it was just all about the pain of losing. The wins so, were a relief. Yeah, exactly, right? So I I'll just say this. It's not about listen, you're gonna lose. All right. That's just a reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not you're not perfect, or you're not Jesus Christ. You're gonna like lose. That. It's it's gonna happen. The blowout, embarrassing loss. Yeah. That there's no reason for it at Texas mm-hmm. ever. That old testament style butt whipping to be on the business end of it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about that, that 21 get off the stick uh loss. No, no, no. Those coyote ugly losses. Yeah. No, no, no. There is no reason for it at Texas. I'm not you can I'm not saying you get on somebody for losing. I, if if Steve Sarkeesian, that team just went out there and competed and lost that game, yep. hey, you lose. It's okay. I, we get it. You cannot go out there and get whipped in all three phases and get dominated on the lines of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage. That can't happen. Uh Sorry, first year, third year, eighth year. Can't happen. Not at Texas. Not blowout. You can lose. You can lose. People lose. You cannot get blown out like that. And that's what I learned, especially – it happened. Listen, it ha- I learned my lesson versus OU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. no, 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 that didn't happen. Yeah. And I didn't have to deal with the vitriol that these young people deal with with social media. But it does need to be understood that, right. all right, guys, that's unacceptable here. We that and, and that needs to, that needs to be the reason that everybody, coaches, players, trainers, everybody goes back to work. Yeah, we started believing our own hype. It's good to sell the hype because you need it for recruiting and you need it for to get the fan base excited and to put butts in the seats. But. Don't get high on your own supply. Yeah, 100%. And, and Texas started believing their own hype, and Steve Sarkeesian did too. Yeah, and when you look at the players on this team, you know, uh, we talked about it. Tom Herman's teams really didn't get blown out. And these kids This didn't. loss was worse than any Tom Herman loss. Exactly. <laughs> Saying that, the worst so these loss kids had Charlie's last game. And so these kids hadn't felt something like that and like this, you know, now a one possession game can be as hurtful as a blowout. But but you understand that that's competitive. And that's the one thing that we would always compliment Herman for. It was 
just he would lose to teams he shouldn't lose to, and those are the situations. And just for this group of guys, this could be a really big motivating force as a you know first big premier game. And like you brought up, Jeff, all the different games that Texas has lost under a new coach, you can almost just like examine this past decade specifically, like first in 2010 when it was the first revamp from Mac, but then that UCLA game felt very similar to this one where mm-hmm. you think you're going to get stop them and they keep gutting you on the ground and gutting you on the ground. And then there was another one when you think about Mac when he was trying to really hold on, but the 2013 year, that was whenever the BYU game happened in Ole Miss. And then whenever you go to Charlie, now we talked about Charlie's open, but year two whenever he was the first time because Sark inherited a good roster. Charlie, we've talked about that 14 years, yeah. the North Texas stuff, that. all that. So year two, but what happened? Notre Dame just came out and just Slapped stomped you just like this game yeah. at yeah, the beginning. Was, and then it went about, to Herman. I was thinking about that Notre Dame game the other day. And, and when you look at all the way across the board, every I listed out even the close. Just think of the non-conference games against a premier opponent well, since 2010. But you it, can add in the UCLA's. You can add in the Maryland's. Like Texas has lost this game almost every season for a decade. Yeah, it's a groundhog day. It's like Texas keeps reliving the same cycle over and over again. Like, I mean, we talked about these, right? And these yeah. are right. Sometimes the same issues persist. The missed tackles. We'll get to that, right? Like, the, yeah. uh, you know, and going back to the offensive line issues that Jeff has documented. That you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, it seems like you keep reliving some of these same issues, and I think that for Longhorn fans, that is a, a tormented fan syndrome where it's like, yeah. hell, didn't I, didn't we just do this? Didn't yeah. we just do this? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, embarrassing. This, this felt like Provo or South Bend or that mm-hmm. Tom Herman Maryland. Yeah, game. so it's I think that's what it is. And I'll say this though, and obviously we'll get right to the game here, but. If they are going to allow this to be a catalytic moment, right, and and, and it can be a rallying cry for them because it happens with the baseball team. Remember the baseball team? Yeah, the had that snow. embarrassing snowvit. Uh, what was the tournament they had up there? Down in Houston. Houston. Or or Arlington, Arlington, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was everybody was like, man, that was embarrassing. It, 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 you know, to lose is one thing, but to get embarrassed like 45 that. Forty-five strikeouts in just, three games. You know, and it, it just it was, it was yeah. like, man, that's just uncharacteristic. Is that is that really what the team is going to be? They use it as a rallying cry. They had great leadership all year, all year. All year long. Okay, we got something to prove. Chip on our shoulder. Y'all, oh, y'all think that's us? Oh, y'all don't know us. And they used it as a rallying cry, and it was great to watch, right? Fans, fans were really inspired by it. That's what this team needs to do. Now, the key to that, I'll tell you the key to that, and this is what my concern with the team is, and this is going to lead us right to Arkansas. The key to that catalytic moment is leadership. Is leaders on that team deciding, okay, this, and, and, and I'm actually a little concerned because they asked Sark about leadership. At the at the the press conference, mm-hmm. and and he he deviated to the coaches yeah. and said, "Yeah, we got co- our coaches are our leaders." And I remember Bijan yeah. at the Big Twelve Media Days. We all remember he was like, "We're a player led team, well, player led team." And that's and what then, he said that coaches led. And when you you don't want to be, you don't want to be. All Max' best teams were player led teams. When Max yep. started to say, "I I built it," I'm getting the hell out of the way. I'm about to enjoy. I'm going to enjoy the ride. Yep. All right, those are your best teams, are player led teams. You don't want a coach fed team. You want a player-led team. Mm -hmm. So it's about leadership. Now, they lost six out of seven captains from last year. When you're on the road in a hostile environment, you depend on what? Leadership. (laughs) Because all those young guys, they get a little scared. Listen, Texas hadn't been in a hostile environment 
None and of the win. kids have been. Yeah, because think about it, we don't play AM anymore. AM used to be our most hostile game on the road. Man, the OU game is such a different It's unique. Game. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. unique. It's, a, it's, it's hostile in its own way, but it's unique. It, yeah. We still got 50 50, baby. We got a lot of yeah. market share there. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we're talking about where you got no market share. There's we're talking a, about. There's a safe end of the cotton bowl and an unsafe end. There's a safe end haven the there. You're like, no, I'm going to my end. I'm good. I'm good. They're my people. It, it's one about you against the world. I talked to Quan about it before, and it's like, no, it's us against the world. And they loved it. That those Colt McCoy, Quan Cosby, Jordan Shimmy team, that we fed off of it. It was actually so mm-hmm. we want to get they like the the wrestlers who'd walk in, yep. right? Like Shawn Michaels, everybody's mm-hmm. booing them, throwing drinks on them, like, hell yeah, this is what this is exactly what I want. Yep. I got the championship belt on, and everybody hates me, and I'm coming to your house and I'm taking yep. all your stuff. I'm taking it all. That's the mentality the you gotta where, have. You're talking about the time where he was getting booed in Montreal and he dry humped the Canadian flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? That is no, exactly. Like, you know, the Baker Mayfield, like, plant the flag in the middle of the yeah, You no. do have to have that mentality we are coming to your house and we're coming to take what's yours yeah. it's ours and texas didn't have that no. mentality and let me say this and, 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 and yeah. I, I was just finished. So i think it's leadership is my concern they couldn't identify the leaders obviously sark can't because he's talking about the coaches being the leaders which is ridiculous um right or bad um, news so in in this in this situation where they're dealing with adversity they had adversity on the road hostile environment leadership steps up and goes hey, hey guys it's all right on the sideline no no it's okay we got this we still got this that needs to come from your quarterback which is something we'll get to and it needs to come from different you know players in different positions and here's the problem when everybody's playing bad there's no leadership because right. you got to lead by example, and nobody's going to listen to you, you know, scream on the sidelines about motivation if you're playing badly mm-hmm. too. I'll say this about the environment. So I'm, I've followed this Texas program my whole life, and I was like probably in the second grade, I think, when Arkansas left for the SEC, and they stopped playing each other annually. And even though there were games here and there, Rod, you played in the Cotton Bowl against Arkansas, mm-hmm. and we've seen a home. There was a home and home that in 0304, the 08 game, and there was a bowl game. I didn't understand, and even though my wife's got family in Arkansas, and even though when I go up there and wear Texas gear and the looks I get and the you know everything else, like I understand there's vitriol, but I didn't get it mm. until I went to Fayetteville Saturday. <laughs> and it, I, you know, like the younger fans, like like if you go, you know, at Razorback Stadium, there's like a row of frat houses, like right outside the stadium. Yeah, that's pretty cool setup. And I think like the for the younger fans, I think it was more of, and there was a lot of beat Texas shirts, and they're doing, they got their horns down signs. But I think for them, it was more like, hey, it gives us an excuse to get drunk and get rowdy. Yeah, they didn't mm. really get it either. Huh? But for the older fans, <laughs> like Craig Craig Way was telling me, him and Roger were on their way into the stadium and ran into somebody who got in their face and was like, why don't y'all get the F back to Texas? <laughs> Crazy. Like, it is, no it is some level of vitriol. It's, I'm telling you, true hostile. And, and even, like, even, wow. Rod, you've been to enough Cotton Bowls as a player and yeah. and, and as and as a as a fan, oh, yeah. as a media member. I won't say there's respect there, but there's, there's an understanding on both sides what the Texas OU game is. Well, no, no, there are rules of engagement. Yes, I was okay, like, it's a neutral go. site. Yeah. There are rules of engagement, and yeah. they're understood. Yes. Yes, I agree uh, with that. And even, even the A&M rivalry. Yes. There, there is. I would say that Aggies, Aggies are it's a hostile environment because they're so into it, but not because they are trying to be adversarial. They don't want to have yeah. a combative That's moment. That's just the way they are. They, but, in, but in terms of their traditions and that stadium, when it's rocking, oh, no, 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 it's— it, it's wild, man. Like, when they got the it only going. two would be like Oki State or Oki Texas State Tech. Would do, be the two Texas Tech at night. Yeah, those Tech two remind night can me be of like maybe what Arkansas like, but I Arkansas. No, I'm not saying it's it. Yeah, Arkansas just, is way yeah. higher. The only ones in the conference that make me feel That's anything. I'll throw to, something at you. Yeah, for me, per, for me personally, Rod, you were at this game. The, the 2012 game in Stillwater was really loud. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and I've been to Morgantown at night. 
which, which was rowdy. Okay. And uh, some of the things I was hearing from the student section pregame, I'm like, some of y'all need to go to church in the morning, make sure y'all <laughs> get there. Um, but this was this was just a level of vitriol wow. and rage that I wasn't prepared for. And you can see the look on everybody on that Texas sideline, players, coaches, support staff, they weren't ready for it either. Yeah. That is crazy. I've heard that from multiple people. You're the like the third or fourth person to tell they me they're not ready for it. That they either had stuff thrown at them or had confrontations. That it was truly hostile. Not meaning like oh yeah, hostile environment. No, no. They wanted to have a hostile moment with Longhorn fans. <laughs> like they were looking, Craig they were Wayne. looking for a, conf- a confrontation. They were that kind of thing. So, so, Craig, so Craig only got fight at the bar. Craig game. only got cussed at this time. He didn't get a sandwich thrown at him. <laughs> oh, yes. uh, but it, I was just telling you, man, they were not ready for that environment. No. And, and the look, Rod, it's that same look. I saw Mac have this look. I saw Charlie have this look. There were times where I saw Tom Herman have this look. Sark had that look on his face at one point in the first half where – he didn't have an answer. Yep. I recognize that look. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you know the look when you see it. Mm-hmm. And it's no disrespect to Sark because, like I said, even yeah. the best coaches have had that look. For yeah. a decade at Texas. You, yeah. It's, you, you know it's going bad, and you don't know what you could. That's, you know, as we get into the game and talking big picture, we might as well talk quarterback and start there. You know, everybody's like, well, when's he going to put Casey Thompson in? Should he do it at halftime? Should he have done it in the first half? Guys, I don't think it was going to matter because that offensive line was so bad mm-hmm. and your game plan offensively was so bad. I don't know if having Sam Ellinger back would have made a difference. <laughs> I really don't I really don't think I so. I think right. Sam would have made a difference because Sam knows when to scramble. <laughs> and Sam is a physical presence, so he would have to match their physicality a little bit. But I'm with you. It was. It, I'll say it this, was, though. It was bad. It, 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 and you may be correct. You, I'm not di- disagreeing with what you're saying. But his – Sark's feel for the game was also bad. Yeah. And the feel for the game, you know, I go back to that Spencer Rattler benching in the Texas OU game with Lincoln Raleigh, obviously, who I consider an elite mind and an elite offensive mind. And, you know, the scones that it takes to do that just to teach your quarterback a lesson. Oh, this lesson will be taught. And yet Sark, who claims that it was the tightest quarterback competition that he's actually evaluated as a coach and when the game is on the line and it's obvious to everybody out there, including Sark, based on that mm-hmm. look that was on his face, we don't really have an answer. Because they came out of halftime with no adjustments either, which I thought I was like, oh, they want to come out of halftime with some adjustments. We'll see some, we'll see some adjustments, some wrinkles, nothing. Yeah. So they had no answers. Why would you la- wait so long to put Casey Thompson in? I, like I said, I watched Lincoln Riley do it in the Texas OU game, bring his quarterback back Second and come quarter. win the damn game. Because <laughs> he, yeah. he recognized my quarterback ain't got it. Yeah. He ain't, you know, because I'm a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm a quarterback. What's Sark is a quarterback. I'm a quarterback. I know when a guy ain't got it. I gave him two quarters. He ain't got it. I don't really have an answer. And what could also be a, you know, a catalyst to kind of solve a lot of problems, be a kind of a, a multi-remedied option, would be just to put in a different quarterback. Put yeah. in Casey. Just for a change of just pace, change something of pace, different. A guy that can, that can scramble is a more decisive runner. Just for a lot of different reasons. He extends play so the wide receivers can, can get open a little bit more. They got more time to do that. All those types of things. And yet Sark didn't do it till like a minute left in the third. That, I'm just, that's another criticism. That's a bad feel for the game. Well, That's a bad uh, feel for the can game. Can I give you a theory man. on this? This, yeah, is my theory, this is my theory on, on this quarter, how this quarterback situation has played out. I think based on the playing time for the two guys in the first two games, 
there was no two quarterback system or both of them the right to play or whatever. There was a clear designation between who's the starter and who's yeah, the backup. I agree with you on that. And I think that's why Sark didn't yeah. go didn't go to Casey earlier. I think because in his mind, he knows Hudson Carter is a starter, Casey Thompson is a backup. I think making the change, because Sark could have humored us in the Monday press conference and made us go check sources and go dig around to see who's getting more snaps in practice. No, he just came out Monday and said it. Yeah, unsolicited. And I mean, give him exactly. The opportunity. That's key. Unsolicited. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's twofold. And it's one or two things, or maybe a combination of both. I think Sark went back and looked at the tape and really didn't like what he saw from Hudson Card on second. Like, granted, in the moment you're thinking, <clears throat> offensive line bad, guy ran around route, guy ran a bad route, the offensive line wasn't good, whatever. But I think he went back and saw that tape and saw a lot of mistakes Hudson Card made that he didn't like. And then I think, too, where is Hudson's card psyche at right now? Because That's interesting, yeah. he's got to be in a place where I think Sark, that's Sark looking at it and looking at that kid and saying, the way the way you processed everything or lack thereof, I can't put I can't in good conscience put you back on the field right now. Yeah, because in a high at, leverage at this situation. point, it's not really about the quarterback competition anymore. No. It's about who gives you the best chance to win a game. Yeah. Yep. Like you're done with the quarterback competition mm-hmm. now because competition is for the offseason. Mm-hmm. During the during the season, we're trying to win games. Yeah. Hey, we know competition is another word for who's the best guy that's going to give us the best chance to win the Not game. Not the most talented. Not the most talented. You're, you're past that best. point. Not the Quickest. guy most, uh, most upside. Oh, he's got the NFL body. Pro- no, no, no. That's all offseason. So that's football theory. Right. Now we are in season. Yep. So all we're now about is who can help us win games. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and this, this might be, if your theory is right, this has got to be a moment for Sark, kind of a man in the mirror moment mm-hmm. because if that is true that he he made the wrong choice in the offseason and during the offseason about the quarterback competition I said one thing is going to determine this quarterback competition because I know this team I think you guys agreed because you know this team as well I said he's going to figure out because I mean I studied Sark's offense thoroughly went all the yeah. way back to Washington and studied it uh, and all the way up to Alabama God bless you Atlanta. Rod oh I went and studied and he wants things on schedule mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great stat about Mac Jones in 2020 that uh, less than 10% of the time he went to his second read. He just didn't, <laughs> just didn't need to. Just no. didn't. <laughs> he did was, what Coach told him. Everything was always on schedule, and obviously we saw how dominant and prolific that offense was. I said, with Sark's offense and his mindset, he's got to figure out, he's got to you know, prognosticate after he evaluates, how often is my team going to be on schedule and off schedule mm-hmm. offensively? If it's like 30% of the time, which is probably around the average, then, yeah, Hudson Card should be the guy. On schedule, everything working fine, boom, boom, boom. He'll make more plays um, as a, a, you know, a down the field vertically with the passing game that Sark wants. You'll get those explosive plays there because you'll be in schedule. He wants a guy that's going to operate in the pocket. But if you're going to be off schedule close to half of your plays, which with the Texas offensive line, that could easily be the, the case in the passing yeah, probably game. Probably more, yeah. Uh, you might need to go with a guy who's a more capable agent of chaos, mm-hmm. someone who's a little bit more comfortable in a crisis, and that everybody everybody agrees. Even the Hudson Card, you know, enthusiasts, they agree. Oh no, Casey Thompson, a crisis is better when he's improvising, extending plays. He's a more decisive runner. He's better in those situations. And Sark, in my opinion, a little hubris, a little arrogance. He looked at this team, started to believe his own hype, mm-hmm. said. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be on schedule. No, this offense, we'll be on schedule. Not realizing our receivers, unproven commodities, not great. We knew this, right? We talked about we it. We talked about yeah. this. The your offensive line is the probably the – actually, maybe the weakest part of your team right now, potentially. 
The All two right? things that are most close to him. Right, or crucial. Right? You got a good running back. And, but I, and, I've even, and I've even said, you guys have heard my ceiling for this offensive line. I'm like, if by the end of the year they're in the top half of the Big 12, that's, then that's a good year. Yeah. That's a cow flood. Give him a race. Right? Yeah. Give that man a race. <laughs> it's going to be rough. So I think he. they looked at it and thought to themselves, we got this. Mm-hmm. No, we we coaching these, Andre Coleman coaching these wideouts up. Oh, Kyle, I got this. He's O line. I got this, man. It's my group. Well, They're Hudson good. In an easy spot and to succeed. He he made the wrong. It was it was the wrong choice. And I said in the offset, I said he's got that's the determination. And I think he took him two games to figure out. Man, we're gonna be off schedule a lot. Uh, yeah. My offense is not gonna work like it did at Bama. It's not gonna be on schedule. Actually, I'm not gonna have as much control over the offense as I thought. Yeah, because all the working parts that I. You know that I need expect to, to utilize, well. expect it to actually work successfully. They're not all going to work successfully. The right. wideouts are not all going to run the routes perfectly. This O line, hell, God may just miss a damn block yep. and throw the whole damn playoff or right? brain fart. Yeah, or we get behind a chase because they can't run block for the best running back potentially in the Big Twelve, one of the best in the country. All these factors that you cannot account for now, you need to you need you need to change the quarterback so that now all the things you can't find solutions to, maybe that one. Catalyst will have a cascading effect and solve all your problems. Your uh, offensive line problem, your wide receivers that can't get open, you extend plays. The, the you know the plus one in the running game always forces you know defenses to defend you differently. And also, if you're a scrambler, I'm going to put a spy on you. Putting a spy on a guy opens up the middle of the field in the passing game. It, you know, the qu- quarterback is so impactful. Right. It can have a positive reverberating effect all throughout the Mask team. Mask a lot of deficiencies. Yes, and on top of that, you need leadership. Yep, and and everybody agrees once again. He's a better leader. Everybody says it. And you need Everybody a agrees. Team. And you need a leader right now, man, because your leadership is your coaches. That ain't good. And when you look at <laughs> specifically <laughs> the adjustment being made, you know, and listen to what Sark said multiple times. He reiterated, and it's one of our favorite drops, but the Will Muschamp, everybody just do your job. And that's sort of what the issue here is, I believe. If you listen into what he was saying when specifically talking about the quarterback multiple times, he talked about doing the simple things and running the play, how it's called. And, yeah. running, and he reiterated <laughs> that, and those are the right. freelance type Great things point. that he's yeah. sort of giving you the clues it's as like, to these they decisions. They just did it right. It's without, perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, and they can't I think, do it right every time. I think he feels 100% of the time as a good play caller, Casey's probably going to go in and he's more of the veteran. He maybe sees things oh, yeah. a little bit better. So he can actually go in there and all I'm asking for you is to do your job and do the play that we call and it's our job to make that framework around you, scheme guys open and just how we talked about in the offseason, the way that what we looked forward to in the Sark offense and what he was able to do at Alabama with a guy at the time, Mac Jones was thought as an afterthought after he had all these Tua's and these five-star guys. He was the guy bridging the gap between Bryce Young and from your star quarterbacks. And you go and look at Mac Jones, what he did. He was a great quarterback and he never overstepped his bounds or tried to freelance and do plays on his yeah. side. And those are the type of things that if you feel you are a great play caller and you can be successful with, say, against your opponent, maybe like or lesser players because you elevate them via scheme, a guy like Casey maybe eliminates those errors that become the margin for error yep. or necessarily, say, maybe eliminates a few human errors that we ta- heard Sock so. talk about. Now that was about the punter instead, but how there's a big difference between human error and then do- having other type of mistakes. And if you go there and actually – 
do what you're supposed to do and actually go and implement it the way the coaches want you to, it may be enough for Texas right now because we know we have deficiencies. Uh, well, speaking of deficiencies, that to me is the bottom line coming out of this Arkansas game. And if there's anything good to come out of this game, and I, I do think what I'm about to say is good, even though you're like, Jeff, you're insane. That's not good. <laughs> Every potential flaw that we saw with this team – Every deficiency you may or may not have had, everything that was a question mark, brother, it's it's all out there now. This is true. There are no secrets with this team anymore. You're right. Skeletons you know what you know what your proving commodities are, and there aren't that many of them. And you know what areas you need to fix to win some games in conference. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. And to me, Rod, that is the ultimate thing for Sark and this staff is figuring out. All right, like you said, it's the man in the mirror moment. Because let's be honest, man. That staff got worked on Saturday. Oh man! Everybody, Pete Kwiatkowski, Jeff Banks, Sark, everybody. Badly. Mm. Got everybody badly. had everybody yes. had a bad night. No doubt. And Arkansas coaches had a great night. Great yeah. night. <laughs> and and hey, it was super- Sark, that defense Barry Odom ran. That's not the last time you're going to see that this year. No, nope. Iowa State. It's their it's their staple. They're yeah. the ones who popularized it. Yeah. And then if you don't think Gary Patterson is going to replicate it, you're crazy, yeah. <laughs> right? And if I mean, I'm with you. Oklahoma State can replicate. They got good safeties. I, I mean, that's the thing about football. You will be forced to confront your weaknesses mm-hmm. until you're able to remedy them or you're able to rectify those issues. And if you don't, you won't survive. Yeah. Be eaten alive. It's uh, <laughs> that's that's it in a nutshell. I mean, uh, that was the frustrating thing with the when you're when you're facing this inverted Tampa two defense with the with the, the three safety look with the overhead safety. Over. Yeah, it's it, based on their look. It's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. It it, it, <laughs> it looks very it looks very inviting to run the football. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, if you're Alabama, you probably can run it. Yeah, and people say, "Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're it's facing yeah, three, let's go. yeah, if you're Alabama, you can, you probably can run." You're facing yeah. a three-man front. Why can't you run the ball? Well, there's so much late movement by the linebackers and safeties that they're just destroying gaps. And the next thing you know, damn, we're in third and nine. What the hell happened on this drive? Yep. No, you're right. It sucked them in because they had the numbers advantage, but that is that. Like I said that is an illusion. It felt That's like, the illusion that they want to present. No, and it felt like one of those Tom Herman games we saw, Rod, yeah. where they would where they would face that three safety look, and it's like, oh, we're gonna run the football and just pound the football. Yeah, moron, and that's why you're in third and nine the whole day. And, and what, going three and out and punting and putting I, your defense back on the field too much. It seemed like it was the first time that Sark had seen. I'm not calling Sark a moron. I'm just saying that's what I would say watching Tom. Well, Herman the game use, plan was it's, it's the, the game plan was moronic. It was uh, because there was no adjustment to the game plan, and it was a game plan like I said that I, it looked like it was the first time he had seen Barry Odom's defense. Yeah, can I? And we can know I that's ta- not can true. Can I get your take on this? Because we there were some game plans that we saw from Tom Herman. We're like, man, that was an arrogant game plan. It's like you just you were bland and you just trust your personnel. Yeah, I don't think Sark's game plan was arrogant. I think it was just bad. It was uninspiring and insipid. It was. It was. It was I, just I could, bad. It was. Why haven't we seen the RPOs more? What isn't this supposed? Isn't this supposed to be? I mean, they Kyle Flusser, They run the RPO more than anybody, even in college football or close to it. And I gotta tell you, I have. I mean, I've seen a maybe a few, but it hadn't been a ton. And I wonder if he's just not – is he going to break it out for Big 12 play? Is he saving it? I don't know. Or is he just not comfortable with the with the timing and chemistry of the wide receivers? Because, you know, it's basically the glance routes. Like, they, the, yeah. uh, the, the wide receivers have option routes in his offense. And then it's basically up to the quarterback and the wide receiver to be on the same page, to see the same thing. They see the same thing, boom, he's always open because I'm just – 
I'm breaking from leverage. Wherever leverage is, I'm going away yeah. from it. And the quarterback sees that too. We haven't really seen any not RPOs. No, nope. nope. if you look at the numbers right now, Hudson Card is five of eleven off play action, and then seventeen of twenty five no play action. So that's just play action. Yeah, but I mean, that's I'm, inside yeah. the RPO, and so this is even less because some of them it's are weird. traditional yeah. RPO than looking at Casey Thompson four for five play action, five for nine non-play action. So overall, you got both of them at what's thirty-four mm. attempts via no play action, and then sixteen. Attempts via play action. Well, so you're right now at a 68-32 split. Yeah, I was just trying to think of ways because you know I, I try to think through the game. Like, all right, well, mm-hmm. what, what am I going to do? What's the adjustment here? Um, I, don't, I mean, I, obviously, I'm not saying RPO is the thing that would have saved Texas in this game, but I haven't seen much of it. I'm just we looking for something of, that would have been an adjustment. We didn't see a ton of quick game. Yeah, why not try to get your quarterback in a rhythm? I mean, he he obviously shook. Why not get him in rhythm? And by the way, the quick game was there. You know these the fly sweep, the orb motion, the jet mm-hmm. motion. He's kind of like Tom Herman. He doesn't use it. Once that guy crosses the formation, doesn't they don't it. even they don't even look at him. They don't throw it to him. He Unless basically becomes the, you a new faction. Screen back to Whittington yeah. or Roshan. They both thrown it back they to maybe, him. That's they've it. Done That's that, the only one I've seen. Him I don't do know because you can tell that Arkansas was ignoring that guy for the most part. They gave him they give him like eight nine yards of space. Hell, man, Rojo and Bijan out there in the flat break a tackle all day, every day. They can do mm-hmm. it. I'm just saying, I'm with you. The quick game, there's the screen game. I mean, we didn't see like any screen game. They were very aggressive. Screen game, same, same ratio basically. Hudson didn't cards that. four for five in screen, eighteen for thirty-one non-screen. Casey's yeah. four for four screen, five for ten. No did, screens. Did they go? So. I mean, they went empty maybe a few times. I think it was more later, though, when Casey was there. But I've documented how— We're 82% no screen right now. Okay. I've documented how successful they are at the empty. Thing, and empty stresses that, you know, that ta- that inverted Tampa 2. Mm-hmm. It stresses mm-hmm. that three-high safety look. Yeah. Go watch Joe Moorhead. Since Sark wouldn't watch it. But if you go—remember Oregon played Iowa State? Was that last year in the— Bowl game? Yes, in the festival. Um, and I know Iowa State won. Go watch, but we watched Joe Moorhead brilliantly, you know, with that Oregon offense take apart that Ohio State defense mm-hmm. and using it with what? RPLs. Right? I He's love me some Joe Moorhead. Yo, Joe Moorhead. Yeah. But you look at, you see those four by zero sets and those three by one sets he throws out there. Dude, that, it forces those three high looks, which usually want to do a lot of pre-snap shell coverage to throw you off, right? Give you uh, one look pre-snap and then shift with those safeties. It almost forces them to reveal. Because they, they get way too, uh, you know, outbalanced when, oh, man, we're still going to try to keep our shell look against a extreme formation, yeah. three-by-one or four-by-zero set. So it's, it, you know, there's just been things you should have been anticipating. What if they stop arguing? How do you not as a coach, on, my, on around Thursday, Thursday or Friday, I would say this, right? How do you not as a coach play th- the entire game in your head through it, right? This mm-hmm. is one man channel uh, tells me that he does. And then give your opposing coach credit while you're playing the game on your head, and assume that they will make the right adjustments. Sark has said he does that. Assume that they will stop you. It's just, like, it's just give them credit. Say, man, that's a good coach. They're going to stop us. What do we do? And teach your coaches down and say, hey, what, what, what are you going to do when they stop us? Mm-hmm. What do you do if your front isn't working, PK? What if they start gashing us? What's our plan? Yeah. And then you guys should have a little, it's a little thought experiment. Just go through it. Like, well, you know what? I, I probably just go zero coverage, go eight in the box, and just see if KJ Jefferson can beat me on the outside, um, see if our corners can hold. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so they can have a flat foot. You know what I mean? Just, just throw it out there. Just mm-hmm. so in the game, you might go, you know what, guys? We're doing it. Yep. I can tell you how many times Bull Reese we could prepare for a team the entire week and then three, 
three damn plays <laughs> in or one series in, Boris goes, all right, guys, we're scrapping the damn game plan. Yeah, Is it what we're going to do? We're like, so we worked on the game plan all week, and now we're going to freestyle it? you damn right. We got to win this game. We were wrong. We were wrong. And you got to acknowledge when you're wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. And go, okay, you know what? Damn, I misjudged it. Let's, let's, let's switch it up. Adjust, adapt, evolve, and survive, or you will die. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or you will be your own undoing. Yeah, your hubris will be your undoing. And to me, that was a little arrogance. Agreed. To not have, so, what, what, so if Shark said he does that, then what was his adjustment? When he, he played it through in his head and went, mm-hmm. Barry Odom's going to stop my uh, initial game plan. Here's my counter. Because I didn't see a counter. I, you know what I mean? I what think, the count, the count, the count, I think Sark was like, it'll, it'll work. I just, mm-hmm. he, he is a keep doing it, just keep doing it guy. Like, I'm just going to yep. do it better. Remember you asked him about the offensive line. Great question. What did he tell you? If you, you asked him about personnel changes on the old line, what did he say? I just think these guys need more reps together. There you go. <laughs> yep. And he's the same way about his offense. Mm-hmm. Why is the offense working? Nah, we just got to keep running it. He did, no, though. Running it. There was no adjustments. There was no empty three-by-one. He didn't get into really a lot of that. He just kind of kept going. It's, I, it. I, it's I think like, I go back to it, Rod. I, in-game. I think, I, think they, I think he, everybody on that sideline again, was so just shell-shocked and not ready. They, they couldn't match Arkansas's intensity and physicality. And after a while, I just don't think they had he no had, strategy. Yeah. yeah, I think strategy went out the window. Yep, that all, it's that classic Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got a plan until they got punched in the face. <laughs> it's exactly Everybody what it was. got punched in the face, and they, they just looked at each other. They went, just staggered around got, for about three or four. Got, and then for, you got knocked about three out. Quarters. To where, like, that's very fair to be critical of that, hey, but to give hey, credit, he at least did make one change because it. I, I didn't expect him to open the press conference saying Casey's a starter. Now he did make the change in game, and that's everything that Too you late. should be critical of. Well, it's, and it totally even, rightfully so. He didn't make it to win the game. He made it to win the white flag. Yeah, and that's my problem yeah. with the quarterback move he made in that Arkansas game. It wasn't, you know what, I'm making the move because we're going to win this damn game. It was all gas, no breaks. That is all breaks, man. So I'm just starting to say a lot, early on, a lot of it is starting to sound like coach speaking word salad. If you played the game through in your head and you thought they would, and you put out there, hey, he they're going to stop have, us. though, but you're right. Right? Do, why, where's your adjustment? Yeah, so he you didn't, didn't have, have that. So you don't do that. So you lied. If it was the closest quarterback competition since you've been a coach, then why didn't you go to Casey early? So you that's a lie. Or I'm just or, saying for me, I'm because I listen. I'm yeah. listening. I'm not just here. I'm, you know, just, I don't he just I don't think just throws out words and coach yeah. I know football, so I'm listening to you, Sark. And I'm telling you, it's not adding up early on with what I saw at Alabama and what I'm seeing on the field. That's all I'm saying. Yep. You can't deny that, guys. You can't no, deny no. that. Early on, it's not matching up. And we criticized Tom Herman for that. Yeah. Man, throw, I'm not even listening to that press conference anymore. He, don't even th- he, just, he just throw out coach speak. is disingenuous. Doesn't even make any damn sense. It's nonsensical. And I'm like, well, early on, it's a lot of stuff I'm not really understanding. It's not matching up to me. No, you have to point it out because how many times did we go back after Charlie got fired and we went back and said, man, there were so many red flags the first year that we didn't talk about. And we started doing it with Tom. We counted the red flags in 17. God, like, oh, this team doesn't really handle success well. Uh, this offense, it's kind of Greg Davis-y when things get tight. And, you know, we talked all that stuff. And granted, it's a very small sample size for Sark right now, but it is what it is. We, we've seen, like I said at the start of the show, we've seen two performances polar opposite from each other. One game where they looked very well, they were well coached, they looked prepared, they were ready. This staff had all the answers, they knew what was coming, they knew what to deal with. 
and then the complete opposite was on display from everybody, players, coaches, everybody on Saturday. Everybody. Agreed. And uh, one thing, though, that can make everything go worse is when your O-line and D-line are the main issues because I feel like in the game that was by far yeah, the biggest issue. Yeah, can I just expound on that real quick, Matt? At the, the, at the end of the day, that's why the quarterback conversation, to me, it's secondary. You got your head smashed in on both lines of scrimmage, period, point blank, end of story. Yeah. So You're it's not going to win what... very many games, especially – Teams in that league. Agreed. I've said it, Rod, how many years have you heard me say it? It was the line ultimate of line of scrimmage league. league in college football. Insane That's what is. separates that league from everybody else. Yep. And when you lose the line of scrimmage battle in a freaking landslide, landslide. Do you get what we saw on Saturday? Yep, and we already knew coming into the season the Texas O-line was going to be a weakness of the team, and now that's the thing that made me a little more concerned about the defense because I thought the D-line was going to be the strength of the team, and the D-line was had just getting gashed, that's, that's and what that's we what told. worried me yeah. more than anything. So seeing that, but I also know that when those things go wrong, it can magnify and amplify everything else Very that's true. mistakes made, and that's what my I came away from it. I wasn't that worried about the team. I was like, I'm worried about these O-line and D-line. I was like, if you get better play there, and now I don't know, I'm not a big guru on breaking down where the mistakes were, but – at least Sark said it, a lot of it more leverage and things along those lines, which can be taught, and there were actual mistakes being made, which makes me think that's fixable. Because if not, that's not fixable, because that's one of the few areas on the field that it's pretty absolute, one versus the other. And if you're getting beat constantly, you sort of have no shot. I think offensive line, it's, it's more of a talent issue. I think defensive line, it's more of a technique issue. Yeah, and when you look at Arkansas' yeah, way, D line was yeah, great last would, year. By the numbers, like they were a top half yeah. of the league, and, and Sam Pittman even though can they're extort, a bad can team, exploit that. So he's an old that, line they, guy. exactly. So I can see how those things go wrong. Which, if any te- fans need a silver lining, is like if that gets fixed, you'll be good. But you might be in store for a rough season because those things don't fix in one week. They don't. I would Anytime. not have wanted to be in that film session if I was an interior defensive lineman with Bo Davis on Sunday, because oh, the way yeah. they, the way they defended zone run, they deserve it. I, I I know Bo Davis doesn't coach it that way. Mm. I know Pete Kwiatkowski doesn't coach it that way. I I I, how, Rod, I was so many, surprised. How many yards did Arkansas get just by hitting a cutback lane on his own run? Oh man, I I, I I'm telling you, I counted twenty missed tackles conservatively. Probably could have went a little higher. I know Pro Football Focus had it like sixteen, 16. or something, but man, it was it was bad. One hundred and sixty six additional yards off missed tackles alone, and like I said, it was it's one of those things where. <laughs> You know, it, it wasn't, like I said, it, I, I think there was effort there, but the technique for some of the tackling, they, they got there. How many times How many times it, have you heard me say this about so bad, bad Texas defensive performances? Because I'll say this about Saturday. And it, it wasn't as bad as some of the Todd Orlando ones, but there were times, especially later in the game, where you saw this. The effort was there. It was. They got there. So I said, they were there. The intent, not so much. It's a great – I like the way you put that. I mean, the 7.1 yards per carry. How, how often does somebody rush for 333 yards and not have – a hundred yard rusher. I mean, everybody got in on it. It ain't no fun if your homies can't have none. Nebraska back in the day, right? Exactly. I'll put it. it, it, Everybody (laughs) averaged more than six point three yards per attempt. That's even worse. You have six point three for Sanders, six point three for Smith. You had seven point three for Johnson. These are just design run from Jefferson with seven point three, but I think he had even more than that. Nine point six for AJ Green. Then that other quarterback they put in averaged seven three. That's crazy. And they averaged four point eight seven yards. After contact, which is crazy. That's the missed tackling you're talking yeah. about. In the opener, wow. in the opener, Texas played really good complimentary football. 
in this game, Texas played god-awful complimentary football because your offense did nothing. I mean, against – we know Kendall Brown's tempo. We've seen it. We've seen that Veer and shoot. seen Sterling Gilbert and mm-hmm. Matt Maddox running to Texas. Yeah. Against that tempo, if your offense is constantly going three and out and you're having to face that tempo – your defense is going to get worn out. And I know you can look at the end of the game and be like, well, Arkansas was only plus two in play differential. Yeah, but there was a point, Rod, late in the first half, where I look up and Arkansas was running 36 plays. Texas only run like 18. Yeah, they got worn out. You had one sustained drive in the first half. But I will say that we were all what – what were we championing about the defensive line in the offseason? That your interior defensive line was the strength of your team. It was deep. It's deep. The whole point of it, you, you said, you're like supposed to have four starters there. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the whole thing to combat what you're talking about is, oh, no, we got death, baby. And they rotate a lot they of They did rotate. So, so, yeah. so I love what I, I agree with you. Oh, deep is exposed. I'm a defender. Okay, I can yeah. tell you right now, they're supposed to be deep. That's the one thing we were talking about with the D-line. They go four, five deep. Starters. Oh, I can talk about the freshman coming in. Byron Murphy, he's unbelievable. He's Aaron Donald. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the hype, the hype train Dude, it, it's unbelievable here at Texas, and now it is derailed now. Now it's in a valley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Smoking and smithereens. And the hype train was all about the D-line and the depth. So now we, now, so now we have come to the realization that we don't have D-line depth. Well, we do. Uh, good. He played a lot of them. So, we well, did that's what I'm saying. It's not good. It ain't depth. All right? Yeah, right. It's just, Quality it ain't, depth. As you call it, talented depth, my, my man, Jeff. So my point is, so we don't have depth there. So are we, are we there now? Well, here's where I'm at. It's, it's definitely not as good as we thought. Well, here's, here's where I'm on a D-line. I, I, I think the interior D-line, I think they can, they can get it back. Um, even though they did not – even if you watch Louisiana tape, they weren't overwhelming in the They Louisiana weren't. That's tape. why Brian Jones p- picked Arkansas. He was yeah. like, that D-line ain't what y'all think it is. He said they're high, they're dancing bears. My concern <laughs> – That's what that's got the description that they got. My concern with the defensive front is your edge positions. And – you just, Rod, you said this to me years ago, and I really believe it. On offense, you can mask some deficiencies of scheme. But on defense, if you don't have players, you don't have a chance. Yeah. Uh, guys, I just think those edge guys, there's just not an impact player there. Even with Alfred Collins, who's a work in progress. Yeah. How did that he's happen? He's changing positions. Well, well I'm I, just saying if he's yeah. a DN, he, he's I know, only, he'll, the he didn't lack bring of, up on the show. The he lack of two snaps in game the one. The lack of progress there is troubling. Yeah. Like that's considering what we know about his talent level and the flashes we saw last year. The hell? <laughs> what is happening? Like, what's going on? So here's and like they don't have D line coaches. He had twenty six right. snaps this week. Um, and Rod, I, I want to get your take on this because I thought about you when this happened. And Sark called this the kind of the turning point in the game because it's sixteen to seven. I remember it. You know, I remember. BJ Foster gets DBU. the interception. They, they, it's DBU. Yeah, we got yeah, they, they got score. The it's sixteen seven. It's second and eleven. You're thinking, okay, it. hey, they got all a right. chance to get back in the game. We got this. And this these corners had not been tested all night and all week. I said all week. I said one of the things I don't know about this team because we knew they weren't going to get tested against Louisiana. But KJ Jefferson's he's He's one of those guys. Struggle. He's got a strong arm. He can throw it through a brick wall, but if you put three in front of him, I don't know which one it's going to go through. Yep. They're going to test these corners deep, and how do they react? And the first freaking deep shot in man coverage they see all year, they give up a 45-yard pass. And I actually and I, said, I, I halfway called it because I said I would go double move on these corners early on just to shake them up because they're going to be really, really aggressive. Hit them with the short game and then hit them with the, the double move. It was a double move. I said it would be against Josh Thompson. That's who I would have went after. They went after Texas' best Jefferson. guy. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then they got it. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm with you. I, we haven't seen the corners get tested. 
that wasn't really being tested. They just, I mean, they completed, I think, two, not deep balls, but two con- conversions and one that one deep ball against Deshaun Jameson. I mean, the thing that makes the Arkansas win so puzzling is that it was, they're one-dimensional. Yeah. It was a one, <laughs> they, they beat you in a one-dimensional way. Kendall Bryles, <laughs> he never you. felt the need. <laughs> there was never a point in that game where Kendall Bryles thought, probably thought to himself, we got to throw the football. Dude, I would have went, went zero covered and just overloaded the box. At one point, like, listen, you're not going to do this to me. You're not going to average 7.1 yards. You, you, know, you know that it is the, it's the second most yards per carry allowed by a PK defense since he became an FBS defensive coordinator? <laughs> 7.1. He's, it's never happened to him before. He has never been the defensive coordinator as an FBS level to coach a defense that has allowed 40 points, 330-plus rushing yards, and 470-plus total yards. What the hell happens to guys when Ever. they get here? Ever. Mm-hmm. Never, it's never happened to him. So he had arguably his worst game as a D.C. What the hell happens to because coaches was, when they get here? Because it was one-dimensional, guys. It was happened like, year one. It was one thing. Like you, you can't, you got, make them beat you left-handed at least. Don't just let them beat you the way they want to beat you. So I, why they didn't match, put eight in the box? Because I would have overloaded the box. I don't know why they didn't do that. And just go zero. We're going zero. Yep. If KJ Jefferson has a breakout Cam Newton performance out here, good for you. Good for your Heisman moment. But you ain't about to just run up and down the field on me like that and emasculate me and gut me like a pig. Yeah. No pun intended. That ain't happening. That's, that's what happened. As, as, you, <laughs> as you start to look to the Rice game, and we're not going to do Rice prep per se. Um, and I know it will frustrate a lot of Texas fans to see it, but this staff got punched in the mouth mm-hmm. and how they respond. And it, I think the biggest thing, Rod, is this week figured out, okay, what's fixable? And Sark's response to my question on Monday, again, take what you will with coaches' quotes in a press conference, when I asked him about personnel changes and him saying we'd like to get Hayden Connor or Andre Carrick in the game, but their playing time is going to be determined based on how we execute the rest of the game, that tells me those guys aren't ready yet. Kyle Flood doesn't feel those guys are ready yet. He feels those five he's going with, those are the five guys he trusts to put on the field right now. That, that is troubling to me. Yeah, they're not further along. That that none of those other guys are further along. That Even if you wanted to make personnel changes, they don't feel they're in a position to do it. I will say this. That's a good point. Um, And that may may or may not be true, but that's my interpretation. I remember Herb Hand and and Tom Herman saying similar things when asked about personnel changes on the O-line. That now nah, those guys aren't ready. Jake Majors, like let's just see more of Jake Majors and Andre Carey. Let's see more of those guys. Ended up starting the last two games of the year and looked great. Right now, Texas, yeah. you know what I mean. So I'm not, but I'm not. So I'm not saying that right. you know he, he's wrong and those guys are they are ready. But you know sometimes you do need to kind of infuse some juice into a lineup. And offensive line is one of those groups that works as a unit. So I would consider I would consider all options. Yeah. If I was sorry, including yep. that. And if we're talking uh, just the first two games, PFF has Texas's offensive line graded out as one ten out of one thirty in pass blocking, and then defensive line in run defense on defensive line one fourteen out of one thirty. So both ends not doing so great. What was the D line? D line is, the D-line is one fourteen out of one thirty wow. on a run defense. Yeah. Specific. Okay. Well, here's the deal, guys. Yeah, good that the Big 12 has great running backs. Stop Pass running. rush is 94th, so not much better. Best running back uh, a year for the Big 12 in 20 years. Great. What, whatever, <laughs> whatever personnel changes you're going to make on the offensive line or the defensive line or whatever, you got Rice and, sorry, Red Raider fans, you got Texas Tech to figure it out. You got the rest of September to figure it out. Because once you get to October, October 2nd, you're in Fort Worth to play TCU. The following weekend is the Oklahoma game. Yeah, you, you better got, be ready. If you're Sark and that staff, you got two games to figure out what can we fix and how quick can we get it fixed. 
Man, are those back-to-back TCU in Oklahoma? Yes. Woo. What can you fix? And wh- whatever you can't fix, how do you mask it? I agree. I mean, th- listen, uh, I would say l- football and life are both constant struggles uh, trying to, you know, decide between what we want to be and what we need to be in mm-hmm. order to survive. And Sark, he can't be what he wants to be, which is— Right now, no. He can't do it. So he needs to figure out what he needs to be in order to survive and win games. Adapt, evolve, and you will survive. Or not your 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 hubris and arrogance will be your undoing. It's just mm-hmm. that simple. So it's got to be what he's in a. This really reminds me of this offense. Really reminds me of a lot of the 2011 offense because the 2011 offense they they had deficiencies. Mm-hmm. They had issues, especially like after the Garrett Gilbert thing blew up and Brian Harson's like, okay, I've got two inexperienced quarterbacks that haven't played at all. So what do you do? You get creative with some of your pin pull schemes. You adopt the Wildcat with Fozzie Whitaker. You, we're going to get the ball to Malcolm Brown. He's probably our best player right now. Oh, Joe Bergeron's ready. Okay, young man, get ready. You're going to get some carries. Like they just – Brian Hartson was throwing everything at the wall. Piecemeal it. Yeah. Whatever we got to do to move the football. That's all we're trying. We're not trying – we don't care if it's pretty. And we don't care if we lack identity because it didn't have. It was a show about nothing. They didn't have an identity. Mm-hmm. That was right. Like- and this is, the, this is the tough thing about being a first-year head coach. In a lot of respects, you're evaluating personnel on the fly. Like, you got spring and camp. That's it. Yeah. You don't have a big body of work. You don't. You can go back and watch practice cut-ups from last year if you want to. I don't know any coach that would do that at this point. Yeah, just you're done with that now. Yeah. That's, all, that's self-scouting offseason yeah. stuff. Now you're that was real, before spring game. Yeah, you're, real t- you're about real-time, real solutions. That's all you're about right now, real-time, real solutions. Like, i got to solve a problem, and i got to solve it right now because yeah. I don't have time to have a project. Like At this point, there are no projects for coaches. Right. You just got to solve the problem that you have right before you, in front of you. Like as much as on the offensive line, as much as I'd like to see them give a shot to somebody like Isaiah Hookfin or Tyler Johnson. Yeah, if they're not ready. Like, if they're not ready, you can't. Yeah. You, you just got to go with what you got. You got to go with what you got. And, and, make, and try to make do with it. Yeah. No, and, but this is, this is, that is why I said before the show, I was talking to Matt, I said, we'll find out everything we need to know about Sark as a play caller, as an offensive mind, because he is going to have to solve a lot of these little problems. He's going to do a lot of troubleshooting until he can build this roster the way he likes it. Yep. That is the ultimate test that actually the last two co- Texas coaches couldn't survive. Mac did. Mm-hmm. I remember when Mac was still, remember when Mac was struggling, figuring yep. things out, and he finally built the roster the way he wanted. It was right around like 03, 04. And he, he got, got to it, live right, and survive by not he, being in Kansas yes. and change, and yeah. it took him eight years, it took him a but while. he got there. And, and you won't get eight years, so I know obviously no. <laughs> there's a difference these days, but my point is that now we'll find, and it's going to make him a better coach. If he survives this, if he survives being able to fix the offensive line problems or at least coach around them, scheme around them, and the the quarterback issues right now that he's facing. Because I think – I don't know if he knows what really oh, to yeah. do at quarterback. He's like, what happened? Is I, Texas, yeah. Texas um, just hit me. If he can – you know, because as a coach, like I said, you're just evolving. If he can solve these problems, solve you as a problem solver, solve these problems, and then get to an 8-9 win season successfully – how I've said all it'll make him a better coach. I think eight and four will be a really good year, and people are like, oh no, uh, they need to win nine or ten. Now, how many? How many of you guys are with me? That eight and four. He's gonna be a really coach good his tail off to get and, them eight wins. And you were <laughs> right on with Vegas. Vegas had been yeah. right at eight and a half, so yep. they're right knowing it's going to be eight or nine, and they want to get the public to be on one other side. And when you look at it, it's funny that we say Mac eight years, <laughs> Tom. And Charlie only got seven combined between the two of them. My, and my, yeah, my parting I, shot is this because I know we got to wrap up. Rod, you you said this a long time ago, and it's it's proven true, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. If you're a coach of the Blue Blood, it doesn't take us very long to figure out if you're the guy or not. No. Take you about two years. 
yep. you know, for for Sar and and I'm just I'm not saying Sarkis on a hot seat or anything like that. That would no, be no, ludicrous no. right now. But if you look at okay, are you going to be able to 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 do what Mac Brown did and get to eight, year seven, year mm-hmm. eight, and maybe try to build this? Yeah, he's got to look at the last two guys. And Saturday was his first lesson. You can't lose a bunch of games the way Charlie did. Just those butt ugly losses. Coyote can't ugly have. losses can't have. Can't any. have those losses. Nope. And you can't be an abrasive, stubborn a-hole like Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a way to just don't embarrass yourself on the field with your own field product yep. and don't, don't think you're the smartest guy in the room and let everybody know you're the smartest guy in the room, people will get, you will get time to get it figured out. Yeah, now I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's a great point. I and agree 100%. Since I brought it up at the beginning of the show, I actually wrote down what Texas's record is since 2013 in these non-converse Power 5 teams. 2-10. Oh, beat USC, beat Notre Dame in 18-16. Lost to Arkansas, LSU, Maryland, and USC in 17. Notre Dame and Cal in 15. BYU, BYU Ole Miss in 13. So 2-10. and 10. In those games, those premier ones we started, it's like, oh, we beat Ohio State. Let's schedule them all. And so Texas like, so went so two and power ten. Five, basically, our power five uh, non-con games. Non-cons games. And that's wow. since when, Matt? Started twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten. I uh, maybe left out wow. a win, but I'm pretty sure I didn't against the teams that stood out to me. The ones I listed. That's pretty. Uh, big. there'd be an old miss. If it's since twenty ten, there would be an old miss. No, twenty thirteen is. Oh, since twenty thirteen. So you're saying since twenty thirteen? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. we beat Ole Miss in 12, beat right, right, BYU right. Okay. by one point in 11, and lost to UCLA in 10. Okay. Wow. Uh, next yeah. week, I guess we'll see We'll see what got fixed and what didn't. Well, but it's it's Rice, so it, everything should look good versus Rice. Let's be yeah. honest. If it we won't know much more. If it, I mean, yeah, we, we won't know anything until Tech, in my opinion. I, I think next week When is, Casey throws for five TDs, I still am going to think exactly. him and Case I, or him and Card are very close with about, one another. He just may be like you're uh, going to go out there and do what Coach says. And also hey. he always has that Colt McCoy to Jevin Sneed aspect between him and Card that we always talked about all season. Don't, don't sneeze at the Rice game because think back to 2015 when they, Charlie made the switch to Gerard Hurd. That was a 42-28 game where Texas got a couple explosive plays. Mm. Go back and I'm not saying go back and watch the tape because nobody needs to go back and watch that tape. Wow. But that Are was you a game. Watch that, out for Rice? No, no. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. you look We're at that game. It's like, uh, if Rice had like another seven or eight minutes of clock time. Mm. That game might have gone different. So what I'm saying is, they Rod, did play with with, with Arkansas. Yeah, the, so if, we talked about it, last it, week. It, they were 17-7, third quarter. If it's one of those games, you're like, oh, I don't feel really good about this. Then, then there's some. some then problem. we might be, be worried about if we're not going to make a bowl game potentially. <laughs> if we're out there struggling, like if the O line is struggling versus Rice, we got to worry about guys. Bowl eligibility may be a question. I, that that would be there if our if our lines of scrimmage are struggling versus Rice. I would have to question whether we're going to yeah. make a bowl. I'm so, serious. So there are there are some oh, yeah, games to against watch. Rice. Yeah, to against Rice for sure. <laughs> all bowl teams beat Rice. Rice though is one of the worst teams in the nation. So exactly. we'll be all right. We'll be good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything. You're man. more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, or you can hear Rod be on RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.